Good morning, everyone. It's good to be back with you again as we continue our study uh, in Jeremiah chapter 18. I want to read with you from verse 11 and to read through to the end of the chapter. These words must have come as a tremendous shock to the people of Judah as Jeremiah pronounced them. So from verse 11, Now therefore say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, This is what the Lord says, Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. But they will reply, It's no use. We will continue with our own plans. Each of us will follow the stubbornness of his evil heart. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Inquire among the nations. Who has ever heard anything like this? A most horrible thing has been done by virgin Israel. Does the snow of Lebanon ever vanish from its rocky slopes? Does the cool waters from distant sources ever cease to flow? Yet my people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless idols, which made them stumble in their ways and in the ancient paths. They made them walk in bypaths and on roads not built up. Their land will be laid waste, an object of lasting scorn. All who pass by will be appalled and will shake their heads. Like a wind from the east, I will scatter them before their enemies. I will show them my back and not my face in the day of their disaster. They said, Come, let, let's make plans against Jeremiah. For the teaching of the law by the priest will not be lost, nor will counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophets. So come, let's attack him with our tongues, and pay no attention to anything he says. Listen to me, O Lord. Hear what my accusers are saying. Should good be repaid with evil? Yet they have dug a pit for me. Remember that I stood before you and spoke on their behalf to turn your wrath away from them. So give their children over to famine, hand them over to the power of the sword. Let their wives be made childless and widows, let their men be put to death, their young men slain by the sword in battle. Let a cry be heard from their houses, when you suddenly bring invaders against them, for they have dug a pit to capture me, and have hidden snares for my feet. But you know, O Lord, all their plots to kill me. Do not forgive their crimes or blot their sins from your sight. Let them be overthrown before you. Deal with them in the time of your anger. Desperate words, and yet words which we need to take to heart today. You will remember that when we closed our reading last week, that if the nation repents and turns back, then the Lord will relent and not inflict on it the disaster that he had planned. And yet it appears from these words that Judah has determined that it's going to live without being in touch with God and live according to its own perspectives. You may remember as we closed last week, we talked about the fact that the clay needed to be fired in the kiln in order for it to become useful. And I want to continue on that general theme of the potter and the clay, just for a minute or two, if I may. The first thing when the clay is fired, 
is it's an irreversible process which causes a structural change in the clay so that it becomes ceramic. Before firing, it'll just return to a shapeless mass and water. After firing, it cannot be returned to clay. But you'll recognize that it needs to be fired, otherwise it can never be useful. It's just going to remain a soft and malleable substance. So only after firing does the clay become a useful vessel. It normally has, has a difference in appearance when it's been fired. It becomes brighter and clearer. And if you tap at it, is there, there is a difference in sound. Indeed, the higher the temperature, the harder the pottery becomes. And it's really only after firing that the vessel becomes usable. I think we need to recognize that whenever the Lord fires us, it's going to be a painful process for us to become useful in his hands. Uh, he has to make us that which is functional. Further, the vessel must be purged. We need to keep ourselves pure in doctrine and practice. Not, not as a Pharisee, not becoming someone that's better than anybody else from our perspective, but rather in our loyalty to the Lord Jesus. Whenever we have become Christians and the Lord has worked on our lives, we are sanctified according to his holy word. We are sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So this sanctification is not a state for us to try to attain, but a condition into which Christ has bought us, brought us in order that we might be maintained so that we're use, useful for him. There's a lovely verse in Ephesians chapter 2, which has always been a huge blessing to me. That we are his workmanship, Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship, or his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, each vessel is prepared for the work which God has for it. So to return to our passage that we read this morning, it's such a shame that this nation has decided it's going to go its own way. As we read in verse 12, we will continue with our own plans. Each of us will follow the stubbornness of his evil heart. So this nation which had been chosen by God and called by God and was being fitted by God for his ongoing purpose, this nation had decided to go its own way. As the Lord says in verse 15 of our reading, My people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless idols, which made them stumble in their ways and in the ancient paths. They made them walk in bypaths and on roads not built up. So the people have lost their way, have lost their function, and have decided they're going to continue to live in the stubbornness of their own hearts. And that is a singular lesson for each of us, isn't it? 
to recognize that we have the responsibility to walk before God and to be pure in his sight, as we've already touched on this morning, to have a response to him, which is from our hearts and in such a way that we, we will be a blessing to others. This people had been tended by God and brought into his purposes, and yet they had decided at this point they were going to go their own way. And it's going to become a way of desperation and despair because the nation is about to be carried off into Babylon. Jeremiah has been prophesying for more than 30 years and he's been warning the people that God will continue to judge them if they continue to walk in their wickedness. And yet they've decided that that's the way they're going to go. And so the judgment of God is going to be outpoured on them. Very sobering words for each of us. And we each have a responsibility to walk before God and to, to have that sense of his wider purpose for us. To recognize that this calling which we have is a holy calling and we're called according to the purpose of God so that we might be his workmanship as Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 2. And yet in spite of this being absolutely clear to this nation, nevertheless, they're going to find themselves in God's really bad books. As it says at the end of this little section in verse 17, like a wind from the east, I will scatter them before their enemies. I show them my back and not my face in the day of their disaster. And yet the people remain stubborn in their own ways and say, well, let's make plans against Jeremiah. We'll make sure that we don't have to listen to the word that he's bringing us any longer. We'll silence him. We'll attack him with our tongues and pay no attention to anything he says. And then you have this terrible curse which Jeremiah pronounces on the nation. Let their wives be made childless and widows. Let their men be put to death. Their young men slain by the sword in battle. Let a cry be heard from their houses when you suddenly bring invaders against them for they have dug a pit to capture me and have hidden snares from my feet. Such a tragedy, isn't it? So we need to recognise a number of things from this passage. First of all, that it is always God's will to bring blessing and grace and further purpose to our lives. He wants us to be functional for him, as a clean vessel is functional. Having made the pot, he wants it to be used for his glory. And so there is this constancy in God's care of us, and we have all been conscious of that down the years. And perhaps more so even now at this particular moment in our nation's history when so many people are being afflicted by this desperate virus. But that being the case, we need to make our lives dedicated to God's purpose. And to be like this nation and decide they're not going to have anything to do with God any longer and to wash their hands effectively of him and to go about doing their own thing and fulfilling their own purposes. And God really is going to give them up. 
that phrase which is used in Romans chapter 1 when it says that God will give them up to their evil desires. I suppose it may be argued that at the moment our nation is suffering under the judgment of God. Indeed, the whole world is. That there is this sense of desperation and loss and a loss of life and uh, impinging upon our normal freedoms. And we find ourselves spending day after day in our own homes and without the possibility at the moment of actually reverting to what we have known as normality. But the end of this particular period will come. And I'm just wondering if after we have been through all we've been through, we will continue to remember that our hands are in God's hands, that our lives are being shaped by him for his purpose. I wonder if we'll have that sense of ongoing allegiance to him or if we'll get like the people of Judah and decide that we're not going to have anything more to do with God's purpose and be laid aside by him, suffering only his ongoing attempt, his ongoing sense of having laid us aside. So I hope that as we reflect upon these things today, we may just have, first of all, a real sense of God's kindness and his purpose, but also an awareness of our need to keep short accounts with him and to confess our sin and to recognize that he calls each of us to repentance. I was struck when I was reading this particular passage, the sort of emphasis which God says that he was preparing a disaster for them and devising a plan against them. And that all the, all the time, if they had repented of their evil, then he would relent and not inflict on them the disaster that he plans. But there comes a point, and Nebuchadnezzar was going to fulfill God's purpose in this, in AD 5, uh, BC 586, when the Babylonians were going to invade Jerusalem and destroy it. There comes a point whenever God says, well, I'm going to give them up to the particular line, the particular perspective that they have chosen in life, the things that they have decided to do, I will give them up to. And so there is always this necessity that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness as we read in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 that the Lord really wants to abide with us he really wants to continue his work in us he really wants to shape us to be the pots that he has designed so we might be constantly for his glory and that's our calling and it's the fulfillment of that that brings us a great sense of reward. So as we continue to live our lives in these times, let us look to the Lord. Let us trust in him. Let us discover at such a time as this that underneath are the everlasting arms because God is our refuge and our strength. It's in God we trust. And that is our abiding conviction. 
Let's just spend a moment in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this time together this morning and we praise you that you're a good and gracious God, a God who has cared for us during all of our living, a God who has shaped our lives according to his purpose. And we want our Father to live in such a way that we will bring honour and glory to you, that these lives, these fragile lives, may nevertheless be lived in order to bring you a perspective that is for our blessing. And so we bring these lives to you again this morning. We thank you for your protection of them until now, and we trust you ongoingly for the future. We commit ourselves to you, Lord, and ask that you will bless and help us during these difficult times through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening once again. And I do trust that this little meditation on the latter part of Jeremiah 18 may be a blessing to us and a strengthening of our faith for the days ahead. Thank you again. And we just commit you to God's care and seek his blessing on each of our lives. Amen.